following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. How's everybody? How y'all doing? How you doing? How you doing? Let's go to New Jersey. Are there Utes here today? We have a lot of Utes next door. I just feel like talking Jersey this morning. It's in the middle of summer. This is the very dead middle Sunday of summer, and I'm happy today. And I'm going to put some on you today. I, I just feel the joy of the Lord in my life. I know it looks like the rapture's taking place, and phones are ringing, and people are needing help, and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. But you chose to come to the house of God. Turn to somebody and say amen to that. I like that. I, I, I'm in the house of God, and it is such an honor to have you. It really, really is. I uh, I never overlook the joy of having people that want to come to the house of God because folks vote with their feet. They really do. They can say they love church, they love church, they love the preacher, but when you vote with your feet and you say, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get the kids ready, we're going to go to church today. It's such an honor. Today, uh, as always in the second service, we are streaming. We're streaming live today. So I want, before I start, before I start preaching, I want you to give the good Lord a great hand clap of appreciation. Oh, come on, real big, real big, come on, real big. Amen. Amen. So what a joy. I, uh, I, I, I've been out and played a little golf this summer. I really have. And uh, I discovered that uh, I need a little extra energy in my life. You know, I'm not old. I'm really, really not. I'm not old. I'm not old. I used to think people my age were ancient. They, they came out of the ark, you know, with Noah. But I'm not old. And uh, the older I get, the younger I feel. I don't know when that changes, but Lord, let it happen to be about 95 or 97, somewhere in there, because I want to live a long, long time and tell people about the goodness of Almighty God. Has God been good to you? Has He been good to you? All right. I want you to stand to your feet right quick, and uh, I want you to say, Pastor, preach to us today. Let the Word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Now that you got your calisthenics in, you may be seated. You're awesome people. We have folks of all all kinds here today, of all problems, all issues. We have had some deaths in the church. We have had there's a gentleman here named Al Marshall that is in a rehab center, and he discovered that he and Mary, his wife, discovered he could be away from that rehab center for a Sunday, and he wanted to be in the house of God. He's battling pancreatic cancer, but he's in the house of God today, and I think that is incredible. I think that's incredible. And uh, I, we're, we're doing this series, and I think it's a great month to do it because July is kind of that middle of the time and I think that right here in the middle of summer I think this is the day that I need to teach and preach what I'm going to preach today. We're we're, we're on a series called Fresh Air, Fresh Air and and we're going to do the second part of that today and today I'm going to talk about good medicine. I'm going to give you some good medicine today, good medicine in this thing called Fresh Air. I won't be long, I promise, I'll tell you like Henry VIII told his fifth wife, I won't hold you long. I just... 
I'm going to see how quick y'all caught on to stuff. Y'all got enough sleep last night. I think I'm going to have a good crowd today. A little boy was walking down the beach, and he spied a matronly woman sitting under a, be a beach umbrella on the sand. And he walked up to her, and he asked, Are you a Christian? Yes, she replied. He said, Do you read your Bible every day? She nodded. Yes, I do. Do you pray often? The boy asked this. She answered, Yes. With that, he asked the final question. Would you mind holding my quarter while I go swimming? <laughs> Boy, what we need is people that can be trusted with quarters from kids. We need people that have the joy of the Lord. The premise of Pastor Chris Hodges' book be to, is to be revived and to find the wind in your sails again and to take a deep breath of fresh air, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Last week, Pastor Brad, would you give it up for Pastor Brad? He did a phenomenal job last week. He talked about being stuck in the doldrums. And doldrums is a place around the equator where the wind ceases to blow and many times the sails are limp and, and, and people's attitudes get kind of down and everybody kind of gets sagged out. And before you know it, they're just existing and there's not any life left. And we said that you need to... A fresh breath of fresh air and you need something not from the outside not something external like religion but you need something to happen on the inside of you an internal change and each week we are going to leave you with a fresh air principle in fact we're going to make this a four-week series and today is week number two and it's my turn and I'm very happy to teach the gospel today Deuteronomy chapter 30 is really a key verse that we'll be reading probably every week this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And I like the last three words. Now choose life. Choose life. Fresh air principle number one last week that Pastor Brad talked about was fall in love with Jesus. How many of you enjoyed that? Falling in love with Jesus Christ. I think it's just a... It's a great way to start anything in your life is falling in love. But today we're going to talk a little bit about some end time attitudes. One of the signs of the end times that you might not expect, not blood moons or bloody moons, nor the planets and the stars lining up, nor bloody rivers, nor bloody wars, but one of the signs of the end time is the wrong attitude, just the wrong attitude. Paul told his son in the gospel, Timothy, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They're boastful, they're proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. I call these last four words the uns of the end time, the UNSs of the end time. Let me run over them right quick. The first is ungrateful, ungrateful. We live in a world, folks, where it's very difficult to find humble, grateful people. We get so focused on what we want, we forget what we have. We really do. Now, you know that the new iPhone 7 is the, is the rav, it's the rave, you know that. It's, and I've got one, just by the way, I've got one. So I, I'm, I'm in the rave. I don't even know what that is, but I'm in it. I found the rave wave. Which means what you currently have, if you don't have the I-7, is junk. you got junk in your hand. You really do. But in September, the 8s are coming out. And my 7 is already feeling old. 
it's junky already. It's always about smaller and faster and better. Anybody in this room remember jogging with a Walkman cassette player? <laughs> or how about shooting a video with a camera that looked like he was working for NBC <laughs> that had a battery pack that weighed at least 30 to 35 pounds? I tried that one day in Hong Kong, and I said after about 10 minutes, I'm not a cameraman. I'm a tourist without a camera, and I just put it down in the boat. Or how about a portable CD player that you had to run real smooth so it wouldn't skip while you was running? <laughs> There's a book out that's called The Progress Paradox. And that book says simply this, that people are better off than they've ever been in their life and yet more miserable than they've ever been in their life. That book says we have what we call choice anxiety. It's choice anxiety. But as soon as we accept how good we have it, folks, the better off we'll be. It's still, I had, I had a lady this morning, just blew me away this morning, first service. I don't hardly know her. But she walked in the door, she said, I'm so glad I still live in the United States of America. I just like people that get up that, that, that way in the morning and just say, I'm going to be grateful because I am an American and I get to go to church at Christian Life, and I think that's worthy of another hand clap. It's a joy to have gratefulness. The second word that was mentioned in Timothy is unholy. When you allow compromise, folks, in your life, stay with me now, it not only destroys you spiritually, but it'll torture you mentally and rob you of all the joy that you ever had. We preachers use this term, slippery slope. Because once you start allowing things to come into your life, just the small little leaven will leaven the whole lump. You carry around guilt and shame of things that only you know about. And many times our choices, our choices that we make, it's all about choices, are polluting not only our lives but our minds, the music we choose to listen to, the movies that we choose to see. The malls that we go visit and find things in there that we don't need at our house. The internet that we, we turn on. The magazines that we read. It's an attitude. It's just a small thing, but it's an attitude that starts destroying. And only Jesus can solve that attitude. And he not only forgives, he also cleanses the conscience. Aren't you glad? That on a day like today, that when we preach this thing called unholy, which is one of the attitudes of the end time, and just reaching a little bit further than you've ever reached before, aren't you glad that God says, come on, kid, get back in line. Let's go forward. Let's go to heaven together. And you can clap your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for reminding me and touching my spirit with that kind of concept. And the third word is unloving, just unloving. You know what love is? Love is a verb. It requires action. The Greek word agape is unconditional. It's completely unselfish. It's an unselfish love. Love is intentionally choosing to do something caring or helpful regardless of the cost or consequences to oneself. But in the last days, the Bible said, people are no longer moved by love for, for one another. They have a disregard for life. It's easier now to take a life than it is to take an animal's life or perhaps kill a whale. But it's an amazing thing. I, there was a doctor that went down to Zimbabwe just a few weeks ago. In fact, there was a letter written to the New York Times just this last week by a, Zim, a Zimbabwe doctor. And he wrote the New York Times. There was a lion down at a watering hole that, that kept village people from going to that watering hole to get water. He would destroy those people and he would eat those people. 
And so this doctor from America went down there and on a, on a big hunt down in Africa, he said, I think I can help you with Cecil. The, the, the lion's name was Cecil. I can help you with that. And he took Cecil out. When he got home, when he got home, there were threats that people were going to hang him. They were going to hang him because he had killed one of God's creatures in Africa. And I'm so happy that a letter came from a Zimbabwe man in Africa and wrote the New York Times and he said this, Sir, we don't weep for animals and lions in Africa. We weep for people in Africa. Thank you, sir, for writing something that America needs to hear. I'm here to declare that everybody in this house matters today. Amen? And we still weep for people in the house. There is love in the house of God. Here's a senility prayer that I thought was cute. God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway. And the good fortune to run into those I do. And the eyesight to tell the difference. No love. Instead, selfish. Think you're doing what's best for you. It's just a baptism of me. Hearts are many times polluted. There's a poisonous attitude that's destroying self. Jesus said to Peter one day in John 21, Pete swam out of the boat. Jesus had bread and fish on the fire. And while they were sitting there at the fire, Jesus looked at him. He said, do you love me, Simon? Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. That word love there is agape. Do you love me unconditionally? He asked him the second time, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Agape. He said, Lord, thou knowest all things. And the third time he asked him, he dropped from agape to filio, which is a a love like a friend, like a brother or a friend. He said, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? He said, Lord, Lord, you know I love you. Because Pete understood that there was a difference in the first two ask and the last ask. Because Jesus was saying simply, I will, I will get down on your level to where I can find a relationship with you. Then I'll lead you to a relationship that you need to have. So I want to ask you today, do you love the Lord as a friend? Or do you love him unconditionally today? Do you love your family as just friendship or do you love your family unconditionally? Do you love your wife and your husband as friends today or do you love them unconditionally? It's time for an unconditional love to baptize Christian people in the house of God that's on their way to heaven and not let an end time spirit take us to an unloving heart. The fourth one is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Unforgiveness is probably the worst attitude of all. Carrying around this bitterness, always mad at somebody, just mad. Just mad. Unforgiveness is the spout that drains the joy out of our life. Last year, right here at this church, somebody told me, Pastor, I've got to go to two Christmases this year because my mother and my sister are not getting along. Got to go to two Christmases. I saw a movie one time called Four Christmases. It's not... (laughs) It's not the will of God to have Christmas here and Christmas there. It's time for the family to get together and say, we're going to get together. You may like spaghetti and I may like Mexican food, but we're going to sit at the same table because that's what God wants us to do. Come on, clap your hands. We need to learn how to forgive. Don't try to discuss or rehearse or blame. Just forgive. This is especially for believers. We sometimes lay claim to the grace of God but are unwilling to release others. Let me tell you, the greatest feeling you'll ever have in your life is when you turn it loose. And you say it's over. You say, but they win. No, they don't win. They don't win. You win. Because you're never more like Almighty God than when you forgive somebody in your life. 
And when you forgive somebody, all of a sudden the, the load is lifted, the pain is gone, and you feel, God, I can breathe. Even in humid Houston, I can breathe. I can have a great, great day even in this hot summer because I learned how to say it's all right. Somebody needs to lose an unforgiving spirit and start learning how to forgive in this hour. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. See, it's tragic. It's tragic for people who are on the receiving end of those kind of attitudes, but what those attitudes do to your own spirit and soul is so damaging. Think about what it means to be ungrateful and unholy and unloving and unforgiving. So many people are there, and it's no wonder that we need such a breath of fresh air. Everybody say, God, breathe on me today. God wants to heal our land, folks. He really does. But I believe he's going to start when he heals our hearts. Amen. Our hearts are often a mess, and we need a fresh breeze of God's spirit. John 10 and 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Everybody say more abundant, more abundant. Everybody say more abundant. Everybody say abundant life. God wants you to have a life that's full, happy, and blessed. That's what we're talking about on this 16th day of July 2017, right in the middle of summer when a lot of you are in the summer slump. But God said it's time to get up. Question is, how do I get out of the doldrums? And more importantly, how do I get these end time attitudes from the enemy out of my system. I need, you need to experience life, to choose life. Remember there were two trees in the garden. One the tree of life, one the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we need to choose life. I've always wanted to pastor churches that have a choice of life. Not always judging one another. Not looking at one another and saying I'm better than they are. Because it's not about that. It's about choosing life for yourself. It's being the greatest person that God can make you be in this life. Folks, the world needs a church that has chosen life in their life. Amen? Amen. Religion or relationship, you choose. I'm going to choose relationship. And it starts inside of us. So we're going we're to do this fresh air thing. And I'm going to give you what I'm going to call good medicine today. Good medicine. Proverbs chapter 17 says a cheerful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. Good medicine. I, uh, I, heard about, <laughs> I heard about an old, an old alcoholic boy that walked in church one day and everybody was excited except one little old couple sitting on the back row. They were just, they were just kind of mean people. They didn't ever smile. They never looked around. They never smiled. They did, they, it, it's a wonder they, did, they, they could stand each other. And this old boy walked in. He said, y'all mind if I sit down by you? He said, you can get that seat in there and not hit on this one in there. I'm on the end right there. Such smile, such great saints. And so the, the, the boy, the old, old boy stepped back there with him for a while and all he knew was alcohol, all he knew was just strong drink and all he knew was the world. But he came in happy and they were mad. And they were Christians and he was a sinner. That bugs me. Sad Christians and happy sinners. Really? And finally, he went and got, made it through the song service. And he got up and he said, I need to get out. And the old man said, where are you going? He said, I'm going back to Jim Beam, sir. I don't, need, I don't think I need anything here. I think what I'm having out there in the world is better than what I'm going to get in here. It is not the will of God for people to walk in this church 
trying to get off stuff that are bringing damnation to their soul and find a church that's not happy and joyful in the Lord. This ought to be the happiest place in all the world and every service, I'm, listen, every service ought to be considered happy hour. Come on, it's joyful right now. Come on, it's time to get happy in the Lord today. We had an old preacher come out to West Texas a long time ago and he's a country preacher and he sought to shatter these superficial images and he was just his country hillbilly. He said, I remember the description he used that no person reared in the country could have missed the meaning of. He referred to mule-faced Christians. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you think. I know some of you are are sophisticated, but that's funny. <laughs> Even city folks get that image. Mule-faced Christian. Folks, I've had a few in the happy congregations I've pastored. But my prayer is, Lord, let that tribe decrease. <laughs> and let joyful people increase. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Everybody say it's your strength. In other words, it's what's happening on the inside of you that determines how you handle the stuff on the outside of you. And if you have the joy of the Lord on the inside, it will give you strength you need to handle the stuff happening on the outside. Ever wonder why some people in church can have these huge setbacks with such a good spirit and attitude while other people fall apart at the littlest thing. Some have strength on the inside that comes from God and others just don't have it. For some of you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to tell you something, folks. If it really is strength, I got five grandkids under seven years old that could beat a lot of people in arm wrestling match right now <laughs> because they have so much strength, because they have such joy. God, bring us back the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And let laughter get in us because it's good medicine. Because there's nothing like the presence of God and being happy knowing you have that God in your life. Come on, praise Him right now and clap your hands. That's good teaching. Hey Amen. If you want to get the wind back in your sail, you've got to examine the fundamentals. And here's three little questions I want to ask you. Number one, are you prone to negativity? Do you kind of like the negative. Hmm. Do you feel like a victim? Number two. Do you feel like a victim? And number three, do you overreact to things? Is there drama? Are you a drama mama or a drama daddy? Come on. Leave that to the young and the restless. <laughs> to General Hospital. Man, they never get out of crisis on those things. It's crisis. I, I, other day, other day, I walked by, I walked by a TV in a certain place, and I saw one of those things on, and I said, "I think I saw a smile, but it disappeared." <laughs> is your life being transformed to the image of Christ? Norman Cousins is a man that uh, I, I, I've studied. Back in 1964, he was he was diagnosed with this horrible arthritic condition, degenerative arthritis. And he went to his doctor, and the doctor said, Norman, I'm going to have to put you in the hospital and give you some real high-voltage medicine. I've got to take care of you, man. You're my friend. And he wrote this book later, The Anatomy of an Illness. And, and so after about two weeks in the hospital, nothing was working. And he went to his doctor. He said, Doc, he said, can I do something? Can I just kind of prescribe something for myself? And the doctor said, well, yeah, what do you, what do you want to do? He said, well, 
what I'd like to do is check out of the hospital today and go across the street and check into that hotel. So I'd still be here close, but I'm right across the street. Number two, I'd like to discontinue all my medicine, and I'd like to start taking a whole bunch of vitamin C. And number three, Alan Funt is my friend, and he made this thing called Candid Camera. He said, I'd like to just watch a lot of Candid Camera, just a lot of funny stuff, and I just want to laugh. I just want to laugh. And he said, well, Norman, it probably won't work, but go ahead and try it. Folks, the results was phenomenal. Norman Cousins laughed himself to healing. And he wrote a book about it. And I, I, I want to declare something to you right now that it still happens. I, there was a man in our first service came down after service just to tell me this story. He said, Pastor, when I had my cancer, he's healed. He's in remission. He said, I went through chemo and said, I was in a whole room with a bunch of people taking chemo. And he said, I took with me my little, my little iPad and I took with me my earplugs, my earphones, and I watched the Muppets. <laughs> and he said, Pastor... I got so tickled watching those goofy little old hand puppets. I got so tickled. And he said, it just blessed me. And he said, I didn't have any pain. I didn't get sick. I didn't get bothered. And he said, one woman finally told the nurse, said, whatever he's watching, I want to watch it. <laughs> he said, but pastor, all it was was God was giving me joy. God was giving me a peace. He was giving me a contentment. And he said, I'm, I'm healed. I'm in restoration. I'm moving forward and I don't have any more cancer. I'm telling you. There's nothing greater than a good medicine in your spirit to turn your life around. Your attitude determines your altitude. So let me give you a few solutions on attitude issues today. Number one, you've got to make a choice every day. Everybody say make a choice. You have to choose it. You have to choose it. Because nothing in you wants to do it. You can't trust your feelings. That same man has got me to planking. Anybody know what planking is? Am I, am I a sports guru? Planking is unreal. You get down like this. You put your elbows down and you raise up and you just hold it. You just hold it. And after 15 seconds, it feels like you're in an earthquake. And I wish I could tell you what I'm up to, but it would be bragging. But the first time I did it, I, I strained to get 29 seconds. But now, you know what I do? I get down in a plank, and I sing spiritual songs, and I sing joyful things. I don't even look at the clock. And before you know it, I'm way on down the road. It's amazing what joy will do even when you're planking. You've got to make a choice every day. Some people are thinking my attitude was determined by the things that happened to me today, Pastor, good or bad. See, it's not my fault that I have a bad attitude. My, it's my spouse's fault. She fussed at me today. It's the guy who cut me off in traffic, the jerk. It was that wicked woman who took my parking spot. It was the jerk of a boss I have to work for. And that coffee leaped out of the cup onto my shirt. It's not my fault that I'm having a bad day. But you have to make a choice. Life is 10%, folks, of what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it. And don't you ever forget that. Remember, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. So this morning I got up before 6 o'clock and I got in the shower and I said, God, let me have one great day today. 
And you know what? He said, okay, I'll let you have great days every day. Thanks for recognizing it. Every day above the ground is a good one. I made a choice to have a great day today. <laughs> Hebrews 12 said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Some thinks it's out of our hands, but it is your choice. You make the choice. The best way to start off each day is to decide, I will have a great day. I don't want sinners to be happy and saints to be grumpy. I want us to be the happiest people in all of Austin. Come on now. Come on now. There was a senior little old lady being admitted to a nursing home, and she was taken down this long, drab hallway, wheeled into a room where she had to share with another person. It was a dark, dank room, and the bed and the dresser were pushed against the wall. And then she said this when she got in that room. She said, happiness is something you decide on ahead of time. Whether I like my room or not doesn't depend on how the furniture is arranged. It's how I arrange my mind. If you're going to live a spirit-filled life, spirit-led life, it's going to be because you live a life of prayer. You need to pray, God, help us to be people that have the right attitude. Here's a prayer that Chris wrote in his book. He said, Dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I've not gossiped. I hadn't lost my temper. I hadn't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or self-indulgent. I have not whined or cursed or even eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes. And I'm going to need a lot more help after that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Seriously, here's a great prayer to pray. Psalms chapter 19 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Come on, come on. Get up every morning praying that prayer. The second thing you have to do is develop a high appreciation for life. You've got to develop a very high appreciation for life. People who have a high appreciation of their life know that God is in control of everything. Nothing gets them down. No matter what. I love Paul's attitude. He stood before Agrippa and Felix in Acts chapter 28. And he was fixing to go to Rome and be in prison and never get out again. And they said, you want to say something? He said, yeah, I think myself happy. Woo. Folks, it don't get any worse than that. But Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians. He said, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I'm poor, yet making many rich. I have nothing, and yet I possess everything. Come on, folks. Here's the secret. You just got to be grateful. Rudyard Kipling wrote the beautiful poem, Gunga Den. And there was a, a reporter that got on his case because he thought Rudyard was making way too much money for his poetry. And he said, Rudyard, I've, I've done a research on you, and I discovered, sir, that you have... About $100 for every word you produce. You make about $100 a word. And he said, I want one of those $100 words. And he pulled out a $100 bill and he said, would you give me a $100 word? And he handed it into Rudyard's hand. He said, thanks. <laughs> That's about a million dollar word. Can anybody say thanks today? Come on. Anybody say thanks today? We need to develop a high appreciation for life. Every day's a gift. I'm sick today. Every day's a gift. 
I'm hurting today. Every day is a gift. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If it's raining, you've got to be grateful. If it's sunny, you've got to be grateful. If there's trials, you've got to be grateful. If you're blessed today, it's got to be grateful. If you're sick, you've got to be grateful. If your kids have fever, you've got to be grateful. Because every day is a blessed day when you have a high appreciation for this thing called life. third thing is you got to find something positive in everything. Everything. Everything has got to have something positive. There's something positive in everything. Find something positive starting with people. People either irritate you or they entertain you. You know I love to go to the mall and just watch people. I love that because I hate to shop with my wife. Don't tell her. When I go to the mall, I go to buy. My wife goes to look. There is a difference. So I said, babe, I'll just sit out here. I'll just sit out here. I'll be all right. I'll sit out here. No, no, no. You go ahead. I, I love just being out here. I like to watch people go by. And then I, I think to myself, boy, I wonder, wonder, what, wonder what their past is. What's their situation? Where they are? Where are they? Do they know Jesus? And I, get, I just kind of get happy just watching people. Because every time I see somebody, I know it's God's somebody. No, you didn't get that. I don't care who it is. Every time I see somebody, it's God's somebody. Whether they're lost or saved, high or low, weak or, or strong, they're God's kids. And everybody entertains me. The people entertain me. And folks, it's a joy to preach to you on Sunday because you're entertaining people. And besides that, I love the fire out of you. I used to say I love the snot out of you, but I got, I got, I got more uh, schooled, and I say fire now instead of snot. <laughs> but I want you to know that life demands that we find something positive. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Everybody say P48. Say P48. It says, finally, brothers, what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. There's about eight things given there. Folks, you can find something to be positive about. Amen? Just find the good and allow it to be. My dad, I've told it many times. My dad said, son, if you're going to preach the gospel, you've got to understand something. Everybody has good in them. And everybody's got a little bad in them. But if a man's got 95% good, he's got 5% bad. If he's got 5%, uh, 95% bad in him, he's got 5% good. He said, your job as a pastor is to find the good in people. And folks, on this day, I bless you all in the name of the Lord because there's not a bad one in the house. I love you today. It is a great, great day. And the fourth thing, and I close, you've got to turn everything over to God. Everything. Everything. Fact is, trouble is coming, still coming your way no matter all these things I've given you. Trouble still comes. Every day you'll have a reason to have a bad attitude. The mistake isn't having a problem. It's what you do from that point. Here's the secret. One of the reasons why we're not happy, we're trying to handle everything ourselves. I remember when I was a young pastor, and I'll tell you this and I'll close, and I'm going to hurt some people's feelings that, that your feelings get hurt easy. I'm going to hurt you right now. 
when I first started pastoring, I, I had this vicarious thing that I felt like I had to suffer for everybody and go through all the pain with them. And the Lord didn't call me for that. He said, I did that for you. I did that for you. I want you to help bring them out. But you don't have to get in that hole with them. You don't have to get in that, in that, in that horrible state of mind that they're in with them. And I used to do that. And when I went to the doctor at 27 with chest pains, the doctor said, son, you want to live to be 30? And I said, I'd like to. That'd be fun. He said, you're going to have to quit living vicariously. You've got to stand up and proclaim the gospel and turn this thing over to God Almighty and let God handle the situation and you quit trying to handle it. Guess what, folks? I think I'll live to 90 now. Because, you know what? I'm going to tell you. I've I got, I got to be honest with you. I love the fire out of you. There it is. See, I'm, 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 I'm educated now. I love the fire out of you. I think you're awesome. But I promise you, I'm not going to get down in that hole and I'm not going to grovel because you're groveling. You don't have to grovel either. You can stand up and declare, this is a day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. You can do that also. And we might as well go ahead and do that and have the tree of life in our life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's have a great, great life. Let's let a fresh breath of God's presence come into our soul and have a great attitude for the rest of the summer and the rest of the year. Come on. Praise Him right now. Praise Him right now. Philippians said, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, folks, it's not possible for it to be your problem and God's at the same time. It's either his or yours. I love the old preacher told me one time, he said, son, I was praying one night before I went to bed, and I said, God, I got an issue. And he said, you know, one of us need to get some sleep tonight. And he said, I think I'm going to turn this issue over to you and get some rest because I've been staying awake with these issues. But tonight, it's yours, Lord. He said, if you want to stay up all night, and the Lord never slumbers, never sleeps. But it's the old preacher praying. He said, I'm going to turn it over to you in the morning. If it's still bad, you can tell me about it in the morning. But right now, I'm going to sleep, Lord. It's yours. Some of you need to pray that prayer when you go to bed at night. You need to say, Lord, I've had a lot of worry and anxiety. I'm not going to have it tonight. It's not going to keep me awake. I'm, I need some rest because the right, he gives his righteous rest. And I'm going to get some rest tonight. So, God, I'm going to put this in your hands. And if it's still bad tomorrow, you can whisper to me about 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, okay? <laughs> Come on, it's time for us to turn some things over to the Lord Almighty in our life. You make a choice. Here's the guarantee. If you do leave it with him, peace will be yours instead of anxiousness. Some of you need to do it right now. Pray, pray, pray that you can turn these things over to God. Peter said, I'm going to cast all my anxiety on him because he cares for me. So fresh air principle number two is simply this. Choose a Christ-like attitude. A Christ-like attitude. Not a God-like, not God-like, but Christ-like. Philippians said, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Get the attitude, get a Christ-like spirit in your life. Let a fresh air blow. See, before you came today, you thought, you thought 
everything was situational. But you really do have a choice. And once again today, as we told last Sunday, we'll tell you next Sunday, you've got to choose life. You've got to choose your life. And when you choose life, life will be yours. When you choose trouble, trouble will be yours. I've often heard that what you preach is what you get in life. And I will never preach something that will be a downer to this church. I'll always preach you up. Because this church needs to know that good things are going to happen to us. Even the closer we get to the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you clap your hands real big? Stand to your feet while you're clapping. Come on. Stand up while you're clapping. Come on. Stand up while you're clapping. Stand up. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Come on. That's good. That's good. Come on. Clap your hands to the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord today. Receive the word of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Now, now, now this, this, this message is not, it's not meant for altar and for coming down. And This message is to put something in you. You know, my dad always had two boys that loved Dairy Queen when we was kids. And, and after church, many times dad didn't have the money because we were very poor people. But sometimes I've seen my dad spend his last dollar buy me and my brother something at Dairy Queen like a like a chocolate sundae or something and I remember my brother used to get upset with me because I would describe it like this I said daddy with every bite I'm loving you more I miss my dad my brother say that's so ignorant but my dad worked hard to provide for us and I'd get that chocolate sundae with whipped cream and a cherry on top. And I'd say, Daddy, everybody makes me love you more. You ought to walk out of here today with that kind of heart. Jesus, every time I'm around and feel your presence, it makes me love you more. Feels like I'm in a Dairy Queen with you, Lord. You've just given me a big old Sunday today. On Sunday. And you've blessed my life today. And I honor you today. So why don't you... Join hands with somebody and lift those hands up and let me bless you in the name of the Lord, dear Father. I bless this congregation. I love these people. I honor these people. What a joy it is to minister the gospel to them and to bring words of salvation and sal- 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 salvation and healing to their lives. God, I bless them. I bless them today. And I, I thank you for the Sunday on Sunday. I thank you, God, because you have been good to us have been good to us and every bite we have in your presence God makes us love you and adore you more and more and so we adore you today and we honor you today we thank you for this moment this time now on this third Sunday in July the very middle of summer let this church walk out of here with the joy of the Lord in their heart and the joy of the Lord in their lives for it's in Jesus name I pray